Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. Good morning, church. I'm Pastor Matt. And as you can see, we're back in the sanctuary today. Um, it's a little different though. I'm standing here, I'm behind the pulpit, but there's nobody in the seats. And so this is a little awkward for me. Um, and you know, we're doing the best we can. We wanna keep bringing you the best quality videos we can, and we wanna kinda make this the best experience possible for you and for us. And so bear with us as we continue to make changes and try to improve uh, what we're doing. You know, we're trying to fix it up a little bit. You may be familiar with the television show Fixer Upper. Most people are. Um, it's a story, it's a show based around two people, Chip and Joanna Gaines, around Baylor. They kind of live around Baylor University in that surrounding area. And what they do is they find old, dilapidated Texas homes. They buy them on the cheap. They go in there, totally gut them, and redesign them. Chip, the husband, is the real estate agent and the general contractor. He goes in and he rips the houses, just tears them out, demo day they call it. He just rips out all the old pieces of the house and gets the wiring up to date. But at the same time, Joanna's at home on her computer designing new spaces. She's out buying fixtures and, and, uh, and designing the house. And these two make a great team. And when they're all done with a little bit of sweat, a little bit of design work, and some shiplap, they transform these houses. As a matter of fact, they are so changed that the only thing you really recognize is the silhouette of the house. And sometimes even that's changed. But the whole house is different and it's livable. An old dilapidated house, maybe with old wood paneling and orange carpet, has been changed to a house that each and every one of us would just love to live in. And I think the show is so popular because transformation inspires us. When we see a house transformed, that's cool. It, 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 it inspires us. When a friend of ours loses 50 or 100 pounds, that's amazing. The transformation that takes place is visible. We see it, we're, we're blown away by it. When an old car is restored, that, that's amazing to us. We're just blown away. And, and when we hear the testimony of someone, you know, who they were before Christ and who they are now, what has happened in their life, it's amazing to us and it blows us away. That's why I love growth groups because you sit in these groups in the early weeks and everybody shares their testimony and you hear from these sweet people who you just assume have been Christians forever and you hear about what they were and who they were before Jesus came in and transformed their lives and you're just blown away. You're blown away. We love transformational stories. And you know what? That's exactly why Jesus came. Jesus came for transformation. He came so that we might be transformed by his power and by his grace. Everything on the inside of the Christian has changed, and the only thing that's really recognizable is the silhouette. I'll tell you, I have been so completely changed by Jesus 
that I, I am a completely different person on the inside. I look much the same on the outside, a few pounds heavier, no doubt, but almost the same. But on the inside, I'm a completely different person. If you knew me before Christ, you don't know me now. Amen? Listen, Chip and Joanna, they're great at transformation. Their show's popular. It's made them very rich. But I want to tell you that God has the market cornered on transforming power. God has that market cornered. And today we're going to be looking at the baptism of Jesus and how it relates to our transformation in Him. Now, today we're going to do something a little bit different. Instead of reading through the scripture, I found this great clip from the History Channel miniseries, The Bible, that gives us a, a visual picture of what it might have been like to be there that day when Jesus was baptized. Check it out. Rome has taken direct control of Jerusalem and Judea. Herod's son Antipas awaits the arrival of the fourth Roman governor in 20 years. The arrogant and ruthless Pontius Pilate. Greetings, Prefect. Welcome to Judea. I hope your time here will be prosperous and peaceful. I intend to make sure it is. Orders from Caesar. This descent must stop. For Pilate and Antipas, any gathering of people is a threat. Repent! And your sins shall be forgiven! At the River Jordan, crowds flock to John the Baptist. I baptize you! Ready for the new kingdom! As you are cleansed! So all Israel shall be cleansed! In the desert, the people are flocking to this wild man, John. They think he's a prophet. Some even call him the Messiah. Do you truly repent? God's axe is ready. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And what is a Messiah? The Redeemer of the Jews, anointed by God to set them free. Then you need to keep an eye on your Messiah.
greater than me. Who will baptize with fire? I am just a voice in the wilderness preparing the way for the... Lord. Don't stop. Surely I need you to baptize me. Wow, wouldn't you have just loved to be there that day to see Jesus launch out in ministry, to hear the voice from heaven, to see the dove descend? Wow, what an awesome experience for those who were gathered at the river that day. See, John's baptism is a baptism of repentance. And today we will see how confession leads to repentance, how repentance leads to transformation, and how transformation leads to identity. Our first point today is repentance signals change. Recognition and confession are a prerequisite of repentance. We can't repent without first recognizing that we have something to repent of. We are turning away from something. If we're plotting a course on a map, that's right, a map, piece of paper that has streets and things on it, and you kind of look and Try to figure out and plot a way to get from A to B. Now, you can't get to B if you don't know where A is. You gotta know where you're at. And that's true with paper maps and it's true with GPS. The first thing it's gonna ask you is, where are you? Because if the GPS system doesn't know where you are, it can't get you where you want to be. If you don't know where you are, you cannot get there. We cannot repent we cannot come to a place of salvation without knowing first that we are sinners and that we are absolutely dead in our sin and that we need the grace of God to defeat this curse called death. The punishment that we deserve, Jesus is the only answer for that. But first, we must come to the place where we understand and recognize that we have committed sins against people and against God and that we are guilty and that he is justified in declaring our guilt and punishing us for our sin. We have to come to that place. I'm reminded of the story of Zacchaeus, who was checking out Jesus from a ways off. Maybe that's how you came to the Lord. You were checking out Jesus from a ways off. You visited a few churches. You sat in the back row. Maybe your spouse drug you there. And then you heard a message in the Spirit prompted your heart, and you came to the front with tears in your eyes and you gave your life 
to Jesus because you were checking him out from a ways off. And so was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was looking, seeing what this, if this Jesus was really who he said he was. Could he really help a sniveling tax collector like him? And, it, and we see in Scripture, in Luke chapter 19, the story, and Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house. See, Zacchaeus, in the presence of God, in the, just the, the awesome presence of God, understood that he was hopeless. That there was no chance that he could save himself. And so he confesses his sin, and Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this house. Repentance. Repentance. Confession comes first. Absolutely. And repentance is a manifestation of that confession. See, when we confess something, that means we understand it to be true. And when we understand something to be true, it means we act on it. We act on what we know is true, right? Our feelings, our thoughts, our actions, they don't make something true. Truth is truth. And truth is the basis on which our feelings, thoughts, and actions have meaning. Let me say that again. Truth is the basis on which our feelings, thoughts, and actions have meaning. Truth comes first. We must strive to know the truth. Church, we must strive to know the truth. John 8.32 says this, You will know the truth, and the tr truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Only when we are confident in the truth will we turn from our sin and put our trust in Jesus. When Jesus comes in as Lord of our lives, we respond to that truth with complete trust in Him and in His Word. My second point is this. Repentance leads to transformation. Baptism is a symbolic act of the literal transformation that happens inside a believer. We are redeemed by the work of Christ on the cross. Every single person is redeemed by the work of Christ on the cross. We are justified before God at the point of conversion. That moment when you raised your hand, that moment when you confessed, Jesus, you are Lord, I surrender, I am a sinner, I surrender to you. At that moment, that very moment, you are justified before God. He no longer sees your sin and your unrighteousness. He sees the righteousness of Christ in you. But we know that God is not finished, that there is a sanctifying work that takes place in our lives. That is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in each and every one of us, where we are becoming day by day conformed to the likeness and image of Christ. And on that day when we see him face to face, whether it be by death or his return, we are saved. We are saved from the penalty of death at the moment we meet Jesus. Then our salvation is complete. If confession is the first step towards repentance, then repentance is the first step towards transformation. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You know, I'm reminded uh, of a post that my wife made this week on Facebook challenging people during this time when they're at home and contemplating their mortality. I mean, really, 
I think for so many people, they hadn't even considered their mortality until this virus started sweeping over the world and, and, and making lots and lots of people sick, taking lives. You know, we just thought, well, this, you didn't even give it much thought, but it's really causing people to ask a lot of questions. And my wife's post was basically saying, look, don't put off finding the answers. Find the truth, seek the truth for the questions you have. Is Jesus really the savior of the world? Is Jesus really who he said he is? Ask those questions. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Don't put it off. Figure it out. So once we make that confession, repentance is an about face from the trajectory our lives were on. An about face. Now, for our military community, you know exactly what that means. It means to turn 180 degrees in the other direction as soon as possible. About face. That's what repentance is. You know, you look this word up in the original language, you know what it means? The exact same thing it means today. A 180 degree turn. Repentance. It's, it's clear as a bell. What God is calling us to is to turn from the ways we were going and turn towards Him and follow Him. That's why being in relationship with Jesus is often called walking with the Lord or a walk with Christ because our walk is our day-to-day taking steps with Him, changing our direction. And as we walk with Him, we're transformed by His power. How can we not be? You know, you think about some famous people who were Americans at one point, and they probably still are. You know, I think about maybe like Madonna or other people who've moved to Europe and they start picking up English accents, Scottish, Irish accents. They start kind of identifying with the people that they're around. I'm not faulting them for that. I, I started picking up German mannerisms too, I'm sure, because we kind of do that. Because when we spend time with people, we kind of start to become like them. And when we spend time with Jesus, this is the most important thing though, when we spend time with Jesus, we can't help but look more like Jesus. How are we transformed by the renewing of our mind? It's because we're spending time in the presence of God. And when we spend time in the presence of God, we start to look like him. The process of sanctification starts manifesting itself in who we are. Now, Jesus, why was Jesus baptized? You know, John's skepticism in this, I, I get it. You know, here's Jesus. He knows who Jesus is. He knows he's the Lord, the Lamb of God who came to save people from their sins. He knows that. He's coming into the river to be baptized by him. And John says, what? Wait a minute. You should be baptizing me. I, I want to be baptized with your baptism. I want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's what I want. And Jesus says, no. Not right now. Right now, you're to baptize me to fulfill all righteousness. He had no need to repent, but... In everything, Jesus is the true model of leadership. And he humbly allowed himself to be baptized as an example for you and I to follow. And throughout the New Testament, in the history of the early church, the outward sign of identification and transformation, uh, being transformed by Jesus, is baptism. That's how we do it. Now, you may have raised your hand in a church service. You may have said the sinner's prayer. But I want to tell you that the early model and what Jesus's model was for the church was water baptism. That is how the world, that's how we are to confess to the world, Jesus is Lord of our lives through water baptism. So my third and final point is transformation changes our identity. 
Matthew 3.13 says this, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me? But Jesus answers, answered him and said, let it be so now for this is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. In baptism, Jesus is affirming John's ministry. This is the first thing he's doing. He's affirming John's ministry. What did John say about Jesus? What was John's message? Well, John was the prophet, is what the prophet said, and I, uh, the prophet Isaiah said about him. We see this in Matthew 3.3. 3. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, this is what Isaiah said of John, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Jesus, when he comes down to be baptized by John, he's saying, John is the one Isaiah was speaking of, the, the one who came to prepare the way of the Lord, but he's also saying, I'm the Lord. I'm the Lord. He's affirming that. Because we know Jesus is in fact the Lamb of God. We know that he did come to save people from their sins. And to participate in God's saving work, we must confess our sins, repent, and turn towards him. But we also must bear fruit. That is, our actions ought to reflect what we know to be true. We must bear fruit. Through Jesus' finished work on the cross, believers have baptism. It not only symbolizes our confession and repentance, but it also is symbolizing of our receiving of the Holy Spirit. See, I believe when John said, I should be baptized by you, see, John already understood who Jesus was. John is asking, you know, baptize me, baptize me in your spirit, baptize me in your power, in your authority. And I want to tell you, as believers in Jesus Christ, not only, we're baptized in water as a symbol of our repentance and turning towards Christ and our dying and coming back to life. We'll talk about that in a moment. But we're also recipients of God's Holy Spirit. Now, these two aren't explicitly intertwined, but that's the difference between the baptism John was giving and the baptism Jesus gives us. He says, I will baptize you with spirit and fire, with the spirit and fire. Jesus' second purpose in being baptized, first affirming John's ministry, his second purpose in being baptized is he identified with his people. Jesus didn't come and say, oh, it's good that you're baptizing people. Look at these sinners. You need to baptize them, cleanse them, wash them. That was all very true. He could have said that and no fault been in it. But that's not what he did. He came down to be baptized, to be an example for you and for, for me. And for the Christian who would say, hey, baptism, it's not a big deal. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm part of the church. I follow Jesus. I want to tell you, Jesus thought this was important enough to do it as a model for you. He, he, he thought this was a big enough deal to say, hey, do this. Let me show you how it's done. Let me come alongside you. He identifies with his people. He identifies with Israel. He, he identifies with the sinner, even though he's not a sinner. He had no reason to confess. He had nothing to confess. He had no reason to repent. He comes and he does it as an example for us and to identify with us. And this is so awesome because as we are baptized, then our identity changes as well. We're, we're no longer our own. We're identified in Christ. And, and we were once doing this whole thing alone, but now we're baptized into the body of Christ. As the early church fathers taught, we're baptized into the body of Christ. 
And as we're baptized into the body, our identity shifts. I'm always skeptical of Christians who are very guarded about their own identity. They want to make sure that they are unique individuals. And, and that's fine. I, I get it. I don't want to all look the same. I don't, I don't want all the ladies in the church to all dress the same. I don't want the guys to all dress the same. But that's not what I'm talking about. See, at some point, we need to surrender who we are in order to be more like him. Because if we hold on so tightly to our own identity and, and making sure that we've carved out our little niche in this world, then at some point we're going to draw a line that Jesus, we, we won't allow him access to. And that's, that's not his intent here. See, either we are all for him or we're, we're not for him at all. That's the thing. And our identity changes. Who, were, who you were doesn't matter. It's who you are in Christ that matters. And so baptism symbolizes this. We go into the water, dead. The old mat, the old person goes in. And out of the water, that symbolizes our death, going into the grave. And as we come out of the water, it symbolizes our, our, our resurrection, really, our transformation. We were dead in our sin, now we're alive in Christ, cleansed from all of our sin, clothed in His righteousness. Now we live as part of the body of Christ, once dead but forever alive in Christ Jesus. Jesus' baptism by John in the river wasn't the only baptism he would go through. Next week, we remember very clearly that we are baptized now into life because the living, immortal Son of God was baptized into death through his sacrifice on the cross to save us from our sins. But we know that three days later he rose from the grave, that death could not hold him. And the victory he won, he won for all of us. And now we have the distinct privilege of publicly identifying ourselves with that risen Christ and to be baptized into his church. Again, don't treat baptism as an option or, a, or a, an activity that is not necessary for the Christian to follow the Lord. And we celebrate communion we all understand communion. We understand that, that is part of following Christ. He did that as an example, but he also did baptism as an example. And we should be following him in that. If you've had a transforming experience, if Jesus has truly touched your heart and your life, you ought to follow him in baptism. Church, I, I was so disappointed that this week we were not able to baptize people. Um, we, we tried to come up with some creative ideas and we tried to, to make it happen. But it, the restrictions, as they keep tightening and tightening and tightening, just it became very clear that it wasn't going to happen. But it is my intention that as soon as this crisis is over, and it will be over, church, we will see the end of this thing. And when this is over and we're able to come back together and we've put much of this behind us, we'll have a baptism service and we're going to experience this together. We have candidates. Maybe through this message, you've decided, I need to follow the Lord in baptism. Would you please get in touch with the church? You can click the link above uh, in the corner of the, of the screen that says visit the church website or contact us. And send us an email and get on that list so that we know that you want to be a candidate for water baptism. We'd love to help you follow the Lord in water baptism. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net.
That's smcchurch.net.